Welcome to Success with Style, everyone. I am Rob Giardinelli. Hi, everyone. I'm Lance Avery Morgan, and we are here with the Suzanne Rose. Do you mind if we say the in front of your name? Go for it. I'll take it. Who is a lifestyle expert goddess extraordinaire. We're so excited to have you here. We're here in Big D. Well, thank you for having Ms. me. With Miss D. Yeah. <laughs> thank like you. That. Thank Woo! you. I'm glad to be here. You know, we're here in your offices. It's I'm going to call it the Big Glass Cube. It's just spectacular. I feel like I'm on a movie set. Well, we want. I want you to feel that way. I want you to feel like we you're special because you are. And what's so fun is that on your wall there is a, a neon sign. I'm sure it's Tracy Emin, given your artistic taste. It says, "I want it all," and I think that's pretty symbolic of what you're all about. You want it all, and you have it all. Well, and to me, a lot of people I think come in and they see it and they think it means like a material. I want it all, and uh-huh. of course, I think don't we all? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but don't we all want don't it we all? all? But to me, it's kind of about everything. It's like I want. I want to feel. Fulfilled in every area of my life, whether it's, you know, family, work-life balance, friends. I mean, you know, I think yeah. it's just I kind love of about having that everything. Family, work-life, and friends. Yeah. That's interesting. So what's a piece That's of it. advice you would give to someone who wants it all? You know, I know we talk a lot about Try work. harder. Yeah, try harder. <laughs> yeah, work, work, work. You and I uh, talk about that ad nauseum for no, years. I, I think that, um, you know, there's so much, especially for women, that they hear about work-life balance. And I'm honestly not a big proponent in that I think I think there's different levels of balance and it's not Mm -hmm, always 50 50 sometimes your scales are you know 80 20 and sometimes there's days you're going to be you know really really you know a rock star at work and you know you might not see your family as much and that might kind of slide and then there's other days where you just want to be with your family and totally unplugged from work so I believe you kind of have to sort of fight for that balance, but there's definitely times and sometimes stretches where one thing kind of takes priority. Maybe that is the new balance. Maybe it's not 50-50 like it's been promoted a soul to generations of women. Maybe maybe that balance is more flexible from what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I think it just has to be because I think today in, in all areas of our life, we're supposed to be plugged in so much more. Right. I mean, it's not like, you know, you could go home, you know, at 5.30 and just unplug and, you know, you don't get emails, you don't get phone calls, you don't get texts. I mean, those days are they're long, long gone. gone. May and they I rest think, in peace. Exactly. <laughs> they were they were a much more peaceful yeah. right. existence, I'm quite sure. But yeah. um, well, as a lifestyle expert and it's certainly a social media guru, you're on 25A, which goes past 24-7. I mean, it's an around-the-clock scenario. Can you tell us how, I want to talk about that, but yeah. how did it all begin? Because I know you have a really strong work ethic, which I totally admire in you. What did, how did you earn your first high school uh, or first dollar in high school or before even? Um, well, uh, my parents were big believers in going to work as soon as you possibly could. Um, but uh, probably, I prob- my first jobs are probably babysitting, which is okay. really, really hard work. Yes, um, it is. And, um, and thankless. And it's so tough to make that, cookies and watch yes. TV with kids, right? It, it depends <laughs> who those kids are and oh, how they've been true. raised. That's but I true. think that um, my first, what I would consider my first real job was... Um, in the lifestyle arena, if you will, oh, but in a different way than you probably think. I worked for a custom pool builder. Okay. And, when, and I, okay. so we'd meet yeah. with people when they were, you know, building houses and they'd be all into their pool, you know. Right. So right. a lot of that was like running blueprints and, and selling pool chemicals. And, um, you know, it was certainly not the most glamorous job, yeah. but I mean, definitely teaches you customer service and client relations, and, right? You right. Know, client yeah. relations. This is, you know, something that people were spending money on that wasn't a necessity. Right. Um, so, I mean, definitely kind of falls in a luxury item and not that they let me interface with the clients like that much, but you know. What did you learn about professionalism in that scenario? 
Well, Lance, I really think that was probably that person that was born 35 years old. So I feel like I kind yeah. of knew some of that totally. innately. And yes. I think some of that was from my father being an international businessman and That's always right. exposing us to his um, his career life and, mm-hmm. and work life and, and those experiences. But um, I think it's just, you know, treat everyone with respect and kindness. I don't care, mm-hmm. um, you know, what walk of life they come from, what their level of income is, yeah. what, you know, I mean – it's kind of that, you know, golden rule. You want to treat people the way you want to be treated. Absolutely. And, and I think that there's a lot of people that are in, you know, I shouldn't say a lot, but I think that sometimes people feel like once they're at a certain station in life, right. that gives them carte blanche to not be so kind mm-hmm. and considerate and empathetic to, you know, yeah, a waiter or, you know, any kind of sales or support staff. And I just think that is so gross. Totally I'm agree. so grossed out by the, that yeah. kind of. Thing. Totally agree. I do too. And it's interesting that you had talked about, you know, um, you know, a pool being a luxury and a luxury item. What about the luxury space and working with the luxury space appealed to you, you know, in your professional evolution, you know, up to running your own company? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, for me and how I kind of sort of got into the luxury space is sort of the go with what you know. I mean, the things that right. I was always interested in were fashion, mm-hmm. travel, lifestyle, hospitality experiences. Yeah. And so to me, that was, um, you know, just sort of a natural kind of right. innate sort of thing. And I think that um, what I learned by some of these earlier first jobs, you know, that we all do when we're in high school or, you know, college or wherever your, you know, your first work experiences bring yeah. you and even internships for that matter. I think mm-hmm. you have to kind of figure out what you love, mm-hmm. what you don't love. Right, I mean, right. I've had people do internships here and at the end we're like, so what did you learn? What did you, what do you think? And they're like, I've learned I don't want to be in PR and that's okay. Yeah. Right. That's the time to figure it out. Right. And I think it's just that, you know, you have to love what you do. Yeah. And, yep. and to me, there's certain levels of PR and areas of PR that I would, um, probably suffocate and die in if I had to do them. Yeah. Um, there's you know, so many, there's not so a, much to it's PR. It's not a corporate thing. I don't want right. to re- be doing annual reports on corporate earnings and things like right. that. Right. That's just not of interest to me. So yeah. I think it's like if you can take the things that you're passionate about and really parlay that. Right. And to me, it's just luxury. I've just always kind of been fascinated in that space. And who doesn't love a little glamour. bit of luxury? The who glamour doesn't? for Absolutely. the glamour, right? It is the glamour <laughs> for the glamour. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Suzanne, you and I have known each other for a long time. A long time. Since, Don't I mean, say how long, because we're <laughs> going to date ourselves. Long enough for me to to have seen you beginning, and I got to tell you, uh, this is no surprise that you've created this empire, oh, well, thank right? Because you. you've always had an empire mentality, if you will. So you have really, you know, you've made it happen, and we've done some events together, which yeah. have been really fun. And I saw your taste level that is at like epic proportions. You have such a great sensibility, your style, your taste. And so I know that that's a part of what you offer to your clients, right? When you advise them. Absolutely. Let's talk about the world of clients and, and how demanding they can be. We were talking about that a little bit earlier off the, before we got on the microphone, but you know, it's the social media world and what people expect. Tell us about how that's evolved in your career, perhaps. Well, it has, it has evolved so much because it, you know, PR used to just be getting you know, story placements in magazines right. or newspapers, what that kind of looked like. Mm-hmm. Now you have the whole new social comedian, social comedian, excuse me, social media. <laughs> A lot of comedians on social media. Sorry, social, social com- yeah. media component <laughs> right. that, um, that brands have to be considering. And right, sometimes, yeah. you know, for people who aren't familiar in this space, they'll hire someone outside to do their social media, which 
should not be the brand voice or doesn't have the brand mm-hmm. voice or they give it to an intern who's the person that knows the very least about right. their company. Right. Um, so they know about social media, but they don't they, know about, they the don't brand. know about the brand. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's so important to stay true to that all the way across the board. Um, in the same regard of having that level, you know, additional task piled on. And we all have to deal with social media on a daily basis. And it's something mm-hmm. that was never kind of in our time budget before. Right. Um, but we carved out time. We somehow enough. find, find yeah. ways to make time. And a lot of things have gone that way. But, yeah. um, you know, the editorial world has changed. There's, you know, from the digital online presence of, you know, magazines going online to um, a lot of our newspapers and magazines consolidating or folding mm-hmm. all together mm-hmm. to um, having some of those um, publications work with affiliate links. So right. they're getting a commission based on products that they recommend. Right. It's really changed the game yeah. entirely. Yeah. Um, and I think PR is one of those things that people don't always understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to say I've gotten maybe, I don't want to say jaded, but I'm just aware of the process. And sometimes it's not always the best product or the best story that wins. Right. Right. And so it's, frustrating when you're on that side mm-hmm. and you know that your pitch should be a home run yep. everyone should be into this but guess what they're going to make more money off of a different affiliate link or right. you mm-hmm. know there's always someone behind the scenes you know and that's why you yeah. have you know right. a PR agent or a press yeah, agent right. because right. um i think general public thinks that they look at it and go oh this editor these are her five top choices or she thinks this location is the best place to go And she might love it very much, but what they're not realizing is there's probably a publicist that's been in that person's ear Mm -hmm. for five months going, you can run my story. Don't you love this? (laughs) Consider this. Please do, you know, and really making the push. People don't get that. And I will honestly say even my mother doesn't, but yeah. That what they see is what they get and that it's all organic. Right. And that's rarely the case. Right. You know, we were talking about the Today Show earlier. A lot of things that are on the Today Show, you know, there's there's their attachments. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I have, you know, someone that wants to was interested in doing something with a major morning network show that had to do with gardening. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, Miracle Grows, their big sponsor. It's probably not going to happen for you because of this. And so there's all those things that, again, and, you know, I'm sure you guys see it, you know, from the magazine world as well. I mean, journalism's just changed. It has. It's really shifted. And whether that's watching the nightly news and you could tell someone's opinion. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I still am from that you know, obviously I'm dating myself, but when you didn't know the anchor that was giving you the news, what his political affiliation was, right. how he was voting, right. what he thought about any of the right. topics that if he was, you know, pro or against. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah. um, I think that is also, again, where the world has changed. And I do think some of that has changed and evolved more because of social media. I feel like we um, can say things more instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, years ago when you were flying and your luggage right. got lost, you would be in a huff and you're like, oh, I'm going to write a letter when I get home and I'm really going to, you know, let them have it. And chances are you got home and you probably never got around writing, writing that letter. Right. You kind of got over, you took a day and you're like, okay, well, I have my luggage. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Today, it's like, you can just tweet that out. Mm-hmm. You can get right in there. Right. You can, yeah. you know. And cause so a ruckus. You can cause a ruckus. And those squeaky wheels get the grease. Of having their luggage taken care of. They so do. it's kind of that instant gratification, which isn't always the most positive, it right? Is, it absolutely. And as I said, 
I'm guilty of doing it too. Uh, so I see, you know, both mm-hmm. sides of it. Right. But I think it's just. In fact, a, there's a, a pile of all of Suzanne's lost luggage in the corner right now. <laughs> Probably, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Tweeted it up. They Tweet. found it. Yeah. I gotta find my luggage. That's, that's a horrible <laughs> feeling. But and I there's steamer trunks, by the way, everyone. Yeah. Louis Vuitton steamer trunks. Uh-huh. And, a, and a cheetah is sitting on them. <laughs> oh, so, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier about you know like when you were trying to place a client like on the Today Show right. for an example. What's the biggest difference in pitching? someone locally or regionally versus nationally? Um, I think that, I mean, I think you have to look at um, people, like, for the big big fishes, you right. know, getting in Vogue, getting in um, you know, the Today Show, yeah. all of those things. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have to realize that those editors or producers are being pitched a million different angles, and right. they're probably getting at least 500 emails a day that quite possibly they're not even reading. Maybe an intern mm-hmm. or an assistant is reading yes, it and yeah. passing it along. And, and I think it's how to get that, um, you know, to get your pitch across in a compelling two to three sentence way so that person will even open the attachments mm-hmm. or even read further or whatever that is. I think you also have to know what those people write or report yes. about. I think, you know, there's, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of missteps over the years when someone's like reaching out to this entertainment reporting reporter about something that's not entertainment or whatever that right. is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, conversely, at a more regional um, level, you know, whether it's local in Dallas or whether it's, you know, the state of Texas, there are fewer publications and realizing Mm -hmm. that they're being hit up in a completely different way Mm -hmm. and they want things to be hyper local or definitely within that. And I just think that, you know, as the media landscape has, you know, gotten smaller and there are definitely, I mean, if I said how many magazines went away versus how many blogs or, um, you know, digital publications came online, obviously there's, you know, a million more of that. But again, it's, the quality. Right. And I'm not a believer that all press is created equally. Mm-mm. Completely agree with that. Not at so, all. No. Not at all. Well, and also, I think from a PR standpoint, PR people sometimes, you know, back in our day, you, you had to be a generalist. You had to write well. You had to pitch well. You had to do account management. You had to do it all. Right. Now those are specialized. They're right. different silos or different sectors. And so that is, is one thing where you don't have as much of a well-rounded PR professional right. these days, but I know that yours are well-rounded because they have to be. Well, and some right? of that to me is still some of that old school mm-hmm. um, as well. Like you need to be able to write on your own because yeah, right. you need to write your press releases about and pitches about your client because you know them best. Passing right. that off to someone on a different team doesn't make sense. Just to me, like having, mm-hmm. and a lot of larger firms have, you know, account coordinators that go and report back to the clients, but they're not the ones doing the work. Right. And so we try to, I really like for, um, for my team to have as much interaction with the client as they can to yeah. get to know them on various different levels right. because I think it makes them um, understand that client more, more empathetic to that client. They can pitch them better. They understand what their story is. It's not mm-hmm. just on paper. Mm-hmm. So that seems to work well for us. It works really well. Every single one of your employees has their shirt sleeves rolled up. Good. And it's symbolic of they're ready to work. Well, they are. I am very blessed to have an amazing team. Yeah. And I mean, could not live without them. So what when you when you're looking to hire somebody, what's a common trait all those people have? Um, you know, I think you just have to get a feeling. I mean, I can look at someone on paper and think they look great. I would right. never hire mm-hmm. someone without doing a, um, a physical interview, even if it had to be Skype. I want to see how people right. carry themselves, right. how they move. And I think so much of, um, of how we work day to day is so situational. Mm-hmm. Um, you That's know, a great word to term it. There's a time where you, you can wear jeans, but there's yeah. a time too that you need to 
you know, put on a dress and heels and right. what mm-hmm. that kind of looks like. Um, and I think you just kind of have to get it, to me. It's just a lot of it's a feeling. Yes. I want to yeah. see your skills. And I want to say that, yes, you, you have these basic PR skills. Right. Um, the one thing that's the hardest for us in hiring is finding people that understand luxury mm-hmm. because right. as much as I would like to be able to teach it, you just can't. Yeah. You have to, and it's really either something, and I'm not saying you have to be born with it and you have to be born with a silver spoon in your mouth mm-hmm. and, and understand um, and be from that world. But um, whether you're self-taught just by reading magazines and just knowing, I just think communicating to a luxury client is very different than just a consumer product. Completely I think agree. in just the way that you yeah. speak, the words that you use, mm-hmm. the the level of communication they want. Um, and the same for pitch, pitching luxury publications. Yes. I mean, you know, a lot of times when people... Discerning. Very discerning. Mm-hmm. And um, I sh- could actually, should actually show you a pitch that I got from someone who wa- asked me if I could help with her PR. And just the way it came across, really? she needs help. Abso- yeah. right. Undoubtedly. Right. Is her product good? Probably, yeah. But yeah. just the way that her communication was, I mean, there's only so much. Right. I'm so, not a miracle worker. Right. There's only so much I can do. <laughs> well, you so. can fix pretty. A lot of times, you can't fix yeah. stupid. That is very not true that as people well. People are stupid, no. but are just unexposed. You can't give people that exposure. Absolutely. Although I like to think that we can with Society Texas. Well, and you know, you we guys do a fabulous things, job. Well, we offer them things they haven't seen before. In theory, so absolutely, and I think that's what people are hungry for. They want yeah. to know, and I think that's what they, you know, seek out people who have culled that information for them. Exactly, and, and and also sort of, you know, again, innately know, like, okay, this is of interest to our readers. This is right. Eh, they probably already know about this. Right. They're, yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And going back to PR important. people, a lot of PR people don't really follow the publications or blogs that they pitch. That's very true. And so, I mean, I, if I had a nickel for every time I've said, "Well, we just did a story on that," mm-hmm. right? You know, you. Sh- it, we just did yeah. it, right? So, right. thanks. This is great. It's so relevant. We we we've already done it, right? Sort of thing, or something very similar. So it's fascinating. So you, get, you always have to be on it as a PR professional, don't you? You you do, yeah. and it's I mean it's a lot of work keeping up with that. And I think people don't understand the amount of time it goes into doing that research, right? And to know a know like okay, the last five stories he wrote were about this. Okay, it seems like this is, or maybe he wrote a story about something that's he hates bagels and let's not pitch the bagel company right. to him or whatever exactly. that, you know, yeah, right. that kind of looks like it's kind of doing, doing your homework. Do you think it works to your advantage to be in Texas, which is a personality and brand driven state and parenthetically in Dallas, which is hyper brand and hyper personality driven. Tell us about your experience of working in Dallas, most of your career. Yeah. I mean, and being from Houston, being, yeah, the absolutely. evil enemy. Hello. <laughs> yeah. We're going, I, I, we're I'm going, not a big we're believer. We're going live on that. I know. I know. I know. You don't and believe I, in the rivalry. I don't so believe silly. in the rivalry. I think they're different. I think they both have their, um, um, their wins, but, Oh, that's so political. I love it. Don't you love May that? Spoken that. like a, spoken like a that, first person. Uh-huh. That is very diplomatic. So that, then White, House, that White House spokesperson <laughs> job is now being <laughs> fulfilled by, I'm kidding. Uh, totally yeah, kidding. I'm going to pass on that one. Um, um, now what was he well, who's rich question? enough to work back. at the White House these no. days? That's another story. Go exactly. Ahead. Um, so, <laughs> you know, earlier in my career and being that we've been based in Texas mm-hmm. and doing national PR, I mean, a, a lot of times I was sort of pigeonholed as the Dallas girl. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, right. if you're coming to Dallas, this is the person to yep. call, yep. which is great and made a lot of great contacts that mm-hmm. way. We now have clients that are all over the country right. that we do national PR for. And so 
I always um, used to get, well, are you going to open a New York office? When are you going to go to New York? Have you ever thought about, you know, mm-hmm. FYI, it's a plane right away. Right. We have email, Skype, FedEx. It's really not that, right. you know, it's not that challenging. I can be on either coast in three hours. Exactly. And in Mexico. I yeah. mean, so, um, <laughs> off to Mexico. Off to, off to Mexico. <laughs> Just read her feed. So, I mean, there's some, there's some good, you know, that works well for us. Right. And now we're finding where, you know, not being from New York used to be, you know, a little bit of a disadvantage. Right. For us, sometimes it's an advantage now. People have said, I'm a, maybe I'm a Southern brand and I'm based somewhere in the South and right. I have this New York firm mm-hmm. and they're just not vibing they're not with us. They're not yeah, getting right. it or whatever that kind of looks like. So, yeah. um, you know, and our overhead is less. I mean, there's a lot of positives mm-hmm. about it too. Yeah. But for me, it's like if you need, if you, if I need to be on either coast to go meet with whatever publication, whatever, right. I can be there in a heartbeat. Yep. It's not a six-hour flight. Or sure. Now, th- that's interesting, and I just kind of similar to what Lance was saying, like with Dallas and Houston. Do you find that L.A. and New York, they're often at loggerheads and being in the middle here, and Dallas is kind of a neutral, Probably. A neutral party? Probably, and I think right now, I mean, Texas is his, is so hot. I mean, right. we've always loved it, but mm-hmm. I mean, you have you know fashion designers that are you know and brands that are chomping at the bit to get here because yep. they know right. they've realized what consumers we are and how mm-hmm. loyal we are to brands that we love. Um, I think that they're just such different vibes. Yes. Um, and I think For they're both great to visit. Yeah. I don't have an interest to be right placed on either of them, but I just yeah. think that they operate so differently. They mm-hmm. very much so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, which is your favorite? We'll go there. <laughs> Between New York and LA? Yeah. Oh, I'd probably say New York. Yeah. What You're about a big it? city girl. I mean, I love LA too, but I'm a little type A, and mm-hmm. and I have yep. while I have very dear friends there that I'd love to visit. I'm it. It just moves a little a, a, more a, easy breezy, yeah, low key is. than, than it, it I is. am. And everything's one promise yeah. away. Exactly. As Rob likes it to is. say, hope that is a currency. Hope is. It yeah. is. Well, exactly. And I'm from the, you know, I'm from outside of Philadelphia, so I totally, I resonate with that more just because I grew up with it. So you, you The East Coast. Yeah. You, I, I know how to handle that. Whereas LA, it's, while New York has people from everywhere, there's a lot of people who grew up in New York and stay there that you work right. with. But doesn't, that isn't as prevalent, I don't think, in LA. And I always feel overdressed in LA, regardless of how yeah. hard I try. I know. Isn't that something? And that should not be... By the way, you look beautiful today. <laughs> Thank you. Be- dressed Darling. beautifully in your ball gown. I love exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> I love that, that I Suzanne wears a ball you. gown to work. It's just incredible. It's so inspiring for your employees, Absolutely. too, with their shirt sleeves rolled up outside. Every day is a party. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all walking around with steamers so that if you get wrinkled, the wrinkle goes away. I, you don't even know it, exactly. it was no there, right? Exactly. No creases allowed. <laughs> That's funny. No creases allowed. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that cracks me up. Where was I going with that? Well, yeah, LA's a different animal. So is New York. And, you know, I always love doing business with, with in both cities. And then I love getting the heck out of there because it's, I made the choice to not live in one right. over the other and to leave one where I live for a long time. So it's always fascinating. Yeah. And I'm, it's a, I'm we, a Texas girl. I'm not going you anywhere. You are a Texas girl. What? And we've all become a global world and certainly with the level of affluence. You were talking about your employees, right. you know, and, and learning, luxury and all that. There's now a higher level of affluence, so it doesn't seem as dichotomous as it used to of the haves and the have-nots. It's like everyone's aspiring to be a have. Right. I call it Kardashian nation. It is. Right? So that's fascinating as well. From a client standpoint, how do you deal with kind of the the self-aggrandizing nature that it can be? Well, I first have to say that my definition of luxury isn't expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, right. A lot of times that price tag is attached with it because right. it's how it's made and the craftsmanship yep. and the materials that go into it. 
But for me, let me luxury is anything that is just not a necessity mm-hmm. and that anything that you can foresee that someone will covet. Mm-hmm. And okay. that might be a hot pair I of sneakers. That. It might right. be, um, you know, something that, you know, generationally may not appeal to me or you, but, you know, right. this mm-hmm. is like, you know, the next gen is like thinks that that's the next hottest thing. Yeah. But um, so that's more of where that kind of sits with me. And I think that everyone's idea of luxury has changed. Mm. Yes. I mean, it used mm-hmm. to be, oh, I want a Rolex. Oh, I, you know, right. I right. want to drive a Mercedes or Jaguar or yep. whatever that is. But I yep. think it's just that's just expanded in so many different directions. And that, you know, for some, you know, big mom, you know, that right. has a big family, you know, maybe it's this, you know, this tricked out suburban. I don't sure. know. But yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, luxury yeah. is or different time, for everyone. Or time is a luxury. And oh, time is most definitely our most time. precious yeah. luxury. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything. Not make yeah. more of it. Exactly. Yeah. I wish. I wish I had that. Well, I was going to ask, like, back to the, the Kardashian nation thing. So, um, and, and this is a, di- a same highway, different lane, but, you know, you work with a lot of influencers and, right. and branding with them. Right. What... How is it to navigate that, and how do you set reasonable expectations with influencers who are trying to get from, let's say, 100,000 followers to a million or whatever Right. It is? Well, and thankfully, that world has changed a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. and it is still the new frontier, but it's not quite the Wild West that it used to be because right. there are now some analytics in place so you can see if someone's bought their followers. You mm-hmm. can look and see what their conversion rate is. I'd rather look right. at someone's conversion rate and engagement mm-hmm. rate than the number of followers that they have. Right. Um, and I will say that um, the influencers that are that are successful, they work really hard. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not just going out and snapping a picture on the sidewalk with, right. you know, and writing a cute caption. They are very... Um, very engaged with the brands that they're working with about sharing that message. It's almost like a, you know, an additional, a new form of advertising, if you will, Mm -hmm. and getting that message across, but with sort of their point of view. Um, I guess I've learned a lot from when I started hiring influencers where I had a lot of frustration of why do they want to be paid this much for what and not really knowing and then not having it measurable. And I think now, um, the way that campaigns can be measured, you can look at influencers and, and see how they've really performed right. can be a very, very beneficial tool. But, um, I guess it's sort of the knowledge is power Yes. now that I, I know the right questions to ask. And it's right. not just like, Oh, I'm throwing, you know, money at this girl to wear this or, and at dress Bear, we do a lot of gifting too, a lot of, that are not paid campaigns mm-hmm. and, you know, which is, you know, your client has to be aware too that that is just a long so, shot. So for our, for our listeners that may not sure. understand that concept, can you explain the concept of gifting? Gift, yeah, absolutely. So brands that, that we, one person who's listening, by the way, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> surely there's and that one surely there's who's more listening who doesn't understand. Um, We've got thousands so, listening. So uh, any client that we have, say it's a apparel line, we might identify, you know, a handful of celebrities and influencers fashion bloggers, whatever, that kind of, we think align with that brand, that it looks like something they would wear, that they'd understand the vibe, that they'd do what, you know, and instead of reaching out to them for a, you know, a paid campaign, you sort of just take the gamble in the long shot and gift it to them and hope that they will write about it or that a celebrity will wear it. And then we can have, a, you know, we get a photograph of that celebrity out there wearing that blouse mm-hmm. or whatever that looks like. Sometimes if it's a personalized item, we will reach out to um, that person in advance Again, it could be a, their stylist or if it's a celebrity okay. or it yeah. could be, um, 
you know, the influencer themselves and say, hey, are you interested in this handbag? And if so, how would you like it monogrammed? And so Mm -hmm. we'll sort of know if there's an interest before, but it is, it's just, it is a total gamble of whether or not that's going to, um, you know, come about in their feed. And it may be something that, you know, they receive and you see it three months later and yeah. you know, it, it's just not a guaranteed. Whereas like a, a paid campaign, you could say, I want it to post on this date right? and you know exactly what's coming. So at this point in your career, do you kind of feel like you have a sixth sense for what's going to work? Cause everything that you and I have worked on together has been top drawer. And it's like, well, of course Suzanne represents that line or of course represents Suzanne represents that company. And it kind of goes within your own personality mold if you will yeah um, is a lot of it your gut and, and you're like okay i'd love that so we're gonna represent them or i wouldn't buy that i wouldn't have that so that's not for us as well, a company absolutely and i'm okay thank you for saying that because it's true if we if i meet with someone and they want us to do their pr um i probably ask more questions of them than they probably even do of us i mm-hmm. want to understand that product right. and a couple of things if if I'm not super interested in it and I don't think that it has legs and that it's going to be of media interest, then, um, I really want, I really want to hit a home run every time. And sure. if I know I can't, or if I know you want it all, I want it all. Or if I feel like I have to, <laughs> if, or if I feel like I stepped out into, um, you know, in front of my team and said, Hey, we just signed this person as a client. If I thought they would all bow their heads and try not to make eye contact mm-hmm. because they didn't want to be assigned that account. Right. I don't, I don't want that. I want right, us to yeah. really, I feel like, you know, if we're going to be the advocate and talking about your product, yeah. um, we need to believe in it right. too. And I, you know, I kind of have detected a good BS meter too over the years and have yeah. learned some things the hard way that I thought were kind of interesting, sure. but maybe the client was in it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. they didn't want to do the work. They just wanted to be famous right. or, and that's, right. that's a whole nother beast as well. Yeah. You're in it for the long haul. Yeah, absolutely. And you want, you want those results. You want, like you say, you want to hit home runs. And so that affinity, good product, good media, and all that well, aligns and there, with it. And there has to be a lot of stars that align in that, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. You can have a great product, but if, you know, your founder or designer will not do any interviews or is just, right. you know, horrible after a ton of media training or whatever you have mm-hmm. to do, or whether you send a, you know, oh, so-and-so wants to write a story, you need to answer these preliminary questions. If it takes them a week to get back to you, mm. it's not... I mean, you just sort of yeah. know. I mean, it kind of has yeah. to be, everybody kind of has to be in the game and be sure. committed to it or else right. it doesn't work. Right. Absolutely. So what's your piece of advice to, I'm really fascinated to know the answer to this question. When someone's the principal and they don't necessarily have the right message or they're not the right messenger necessarily, how do you, what's a piece of advice you can give to someone to navigate around that to help drive their business? What, to, in getting their message across to... Yeah, getting their message across to the masses. Yeah, like, I think it's always about being way. about knowing yourself or your brand and being true to that. I think okay. that there's so many other influences that you see out there and go, oh, this worked for so-and-so to do this. Right. And it's like then they just try to emulate that and copy that. Right. And it comes across as, you know, non-authentic. Or mm-hmm. um, I think you just have to know who you are and okay. and know. And sometimes that involves your limitations. And I don't. Yeah. like the word limitations right. I think yeah. you know, the, the sky should be the limit but I mean if you're producing something that is you know super Texas oriented and has a Texas thing on it it's probably not going to appeal to people in Ohio let's right. just right. I mean right a couple of bands but you know yeah so I think it's just knowing that and kind of being true and sticking to mm-hmm. and embracing who you are so one of your companies that you've started is representing influencers which I right. think is fascinating that you saw that need obviously from your breadth of experience 
and decided to really hone in on that. Tell us about that success. So um, it's been it's been really interesting and continues to two years later still be um, a learning experience. It's called Estate Five, yep. and I have two business partners, um, Lindsay Eaton, who is a former attorney who used to also be. Um, partners with Katie Cassidy, the actress, and mm-hmm. helped her with her blog and develop all of that. And then Tina Craig, also known to her fans oh. and followers as Bag Snob, who was kind of one of the yeah, originals yeah, yeah. in yeah. the influencer space. Yeah. Uh-huh. And when she started blogging 12 years ago, everyone thought she was, she was pioneer. crazy. Yeah. Exactly. She was right. a total pioneer yeah. in the space. And so when I was working on, you know, influencer campaigns or doing things through Drogue's PR, and I would have frustrations or questions, I would go to the two of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't understand why in the world this would ever be in a contract, or I don't understand right. why mm. they're charging me this much, or mm-hmm. I don't understand. You know, I really wasn't understanding the questions to ask. And again, the industry has changed a lot. I would go to them, and um, I'd like to say ask for advice, but a lot of times it was bitching and <laughs> really um, and being frustrated, going, can you experience. believe? Yeah. But And so in just like that education and that process and then just having – um, you know, conversations with both of them and, you know, realizing that there was kind of a need for a different type of agency. Yeah. Um, and I mean that we run very transparently. It's, there's a lot of different things that, um, that make that agency unique from other agencies. Mm-hmm. But just, I think that there was just a void in the space and realizing right. that, that that space isn't going away. I mean, you know, influencers, bloggers, they're not going away. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cream rises to the top and the yeah. good ones will be around and, yeah. The other ones will kind of test the waters for a while and then realize I can't make a living doing it. Right. But, right. I mean, the ones that do it well, it is, I mean, it is a big business. And it's a full-time job. It definitely is. And yeah. as I said, I think people think that, oh, they just put on a skirt and take some photos and it's not right. a big, you know, and right. there's a lot more to so it. So much to it, yeah. So what do you think is going to be the next trend in the influencer space? Well, I definitely think that we're having to address what generation z and what mm-hmm. they're right what they're looking for mm-hmm. and as a mom of two generation z's it's it's a different world they think of social media in a completely different way than we do mm-hmm. um do they see it as a necessity and as a communication channel whereas we see it as kind of this sort of not frivolous but it's an added extra to right. everything um i think for a lot of them, they've had it for so much of their formative years yeah. and onward that they see it, but I don't think that they believe it. Okay. I think a lot of times, I think that they're more apt to, and I think they're more interested in YouTube and some of okay. you know that direction mm-hmm. than looking at something on Instagram, which I think they feel can be you know, filtered to death and is manufactured. And then we took 75 photos to get to this one photo. Right. And, and I think that they it feels a little fake and funny to them. Gotcha. So I think it's kind of addressing how to keep that authenticity. You know, again, my children are not, don't really care about Instagram. They'll look at it, but they're way more into Snapchat. They're YouTube, you know, and all the next platforms that are coming up any minute. So many more. And is it because YouTube offers the video component, even though social media does too, (laughs) Facebook and Insta stories and all that, but is it the gratification of living images and movement? I I mean, I think so. I think so. I think it's, um, it's seeing that. I think, you know, you're seeing TikTok do some things. And, mm-hmm. you know, they are. it's, I mean, it's, again, we always say that anyone who says that they're an expert in the social media world is how you know that someone is just a bullshitter. Right. Sorry, because <laughs> right, right, right. because yeah. it changes every day. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. the minute you think you know something, it changes again. So, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's very fascinating. Do you think the Generation Z, well, they're our future, whether, we're, whether we they align are. with them right. or not. 
Do you think they're going to, as they get older and progress and thrive, do you think that they're, that media is going to change or to conform to them, you think, maybe? Probably. Okay. I mean, I think that this Generation Z is, is projected to be much more brand loyal. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think that, you know, maybe we aren't going to be as bombarded as we are, or maybe, maybe we are until they, Hmm. we feel like, you know, we've got our hooks into that and they love these brands and there's probably just different ways that they'll be communicating just directly with people as opposed to this mass appeal. I think that as things get more and more targeted, I think you're going to see that too. Yeah. I think we're in for a big, big awakening with technology Uh, and how it's going to micro micro target each of us. Absolutely. And it, it's so fascinating and so exciting, but it kind of scares me to death yeah, too. Because me too. I mean, I have because someone has all the information right. about you. Right? They do. No I mean, I have a smart anymore. home, but I don't think I'm smart enough to know how to use right. it. I mean, there's so many times that you know. So my poor tech guy, poor Travis, and the phone calls he gets. But. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! So, I love that. So we got to wind down. Oh come soon, on, we're not done soon, yet. But we got we're a couple more. We got a couple more questions. No we're kidding. having lots of fun. Gosh. But what I want to know is who are five people you would have at a dinner party as someone who's thrown so many fabulous Our favorite parties. question. Oh, my fantasy dinner party question. I think yes. about this a lot. I know. Do you really? Well, because yeah. I mean, you've thrown you've well, hosted so many happened. great fantasy dinner right. parties. Well, and I think you like to have a mix of people at a dinner party. Absolutely. And I don't always like people that all know each other and I like to no, kind God, of mix no. things out. No. But if I'm selfishly doing this dinner party for myself, I know everyone says <laughs> Oprah and Jesus. So I will steer away from those two. Although, they <laughs> although would, they'd be great. They would be they'd great. Oh, be yeah. undoubtedly. I have lots of questions for both of them. But um, um, I think um, I would have my father, who's deceased, and I just would just love to have that time with him. So that's that's just a given. Um, I would love to have Richard Branson. Yeah, I think the way he has built his companies and marketed his companies and done things differently, just as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. um, I would love to kind of pick into that creative mind. Yeah, Um, I just said I just find him kind of fascinating. Um, it seems like he lives a really good life too. Yes. So maybe oh, yeah. he'd invite me to one of his homes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, Anna Wintour, because okay. if I wasn't doing what I do now, I would love to be a magazine editor. Mm-hmm. Watch out for your job, Lance. I'm um, kidding. So, um, it's a thankless, and I have, and godless I have, job. Run I have, away I have from met it. Anna Wintour and she's, and she's, I thought she was lovely yeah, and, and warm and, you know, fantastic. Of but, course. um, I just admire so much of what she does. Um, historically, you're going to laugh at this. I'm going to say Anne Boleyn. I get it. I totally get that. Sure. Why would you think I would have her? Because the other sister, right? I mean, because she's a fascinating creature who who was beguiling, and she was kind of a, a an early adopter to social media, if you will. I, right? I was going to say she's four hundred. She was four hundred to five hundred years ahead of her time. Yeah. And I'm like really you are, cur- Suzanne. Well, that's me. <laughs> um, what I'm interested in is, you know, you hear all these stories, and I'm a total royal follower, I so know you I are just totally in that part of history is totally fascinating to me. I just wonder, was she really as conniving as they say she was, or did mm. she just not have a good press agent? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Was there not good the, right, right? Because you know, the was king had a better media. Right. You know, it was, it was right. male driven and you yeah. know, the yeah. king had much better PR going for him. Oh, than, totally. So True. was she really that awful? I don't know. I'm just, I would just well, be curious. Like, and what up? Yeah, what really she happened? She just needed right? a good, a good, um, <laughs> yeah. A good PR. I don't know. As I said, and That's maybe she maybe she was, and she probably was. I but I love we're all answer. just going from historical accounts, and right. so I'd be curious on that. Uh-huh. And then um, I think like Gucci Gucci, you know, the 
founder of the Gucci yeah, family. Totally. I would just love to know his thoughts on where he, mm-hmm. what he sees now based mm-hmm. what he built. I think that was, yeah. you know, How the one of the earliest, all. you know, iconic right. fashion houses that right. now is recreating itself. And again, again. And just again and again yeah. and again and how, you know, Gucci used to just be, you know, has gone from a heyday to kind of a tired brand right. to heyday right. again. And, and right. I'd just be curious to see what a founder thinks of that. Well, long would, after, and I, hopefully we'd all wear right. Gucci and look fabulous. Exactly, Always. and it's and it's personality driven, which is what your life is, right? With your own personality, and what you've created. So we're so excited to have you as well, a thank guest. Thank you. It's will you so come fun. back sometime? Anytime. Per your busy jet set social media schedule. I will schedule. always make time for you. She just this was so fun. Seventeen stories while we were talking, right? I was going to say, and, and have five more, five more new influencers. Five more clients. in the queue. Well, I know. You know that was just in the last. I'll let y'all have the scoop once I write my book. But once I do that, I have to retire and move away. Only if you'll let us excerpt it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pardon me? Only if you'll let us excerpt it. Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, absolutely. the raw and the revealed. <laughs> absolutely. No, sto- no stones there. left unturned by Suzanne Droz. Bye. Exactly. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, everyone. I'm Lance Avery Morgan signing off. And I'm Rob Giardinelli signing off with Success with Style, reminding you that great style starts by having a unique point of view. Have a great day, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.